Welcome to our 11th Set the Month in Motion monthly podcast and forum, produced in partnership with the City of Fremantle's Building Business Capacity Program. My name is Denisha Quinlan and I am the CEO of the Fremantle Chamber of Commerce. If you haven't joined us before, we've covered some intriguing topics from getting your products to international markets, how to create unique experiences relevant for the business you are in, or even how to navigate tight cash flow in a seasonal business or in these challenging economic times. As always, you can catch these and future monthly chats on your favourite podcast station under our Chamber channel, Set the Month in Motion. Today, we come to you without our live studio audience, a sign of our times as our panel sit 1.5 metres apart in a relatively empty room. COVID-19 has impacted on all of us and the way we work or do business. Day by day, our exposure to new technologies, new ways of communicating and new ways of promoting our businesses are emerging as we grapple with what social distancing really means and how to use social media to ensure we stay relevant when people can't get out and about and use our offices, retail spaces or venues like they used to be able to. Today's conversation is about marketing in a visually sophisticated world and this topic is so relevant to the new world that we are in, a world that is becoming more and more visually sophisticated, even if a little less glamorous as access to health and personal services are dramatically reduced in the current environment. I read some great advice from entrepreneur Jenna Kutcher this week on how to refresh your business when life gets in the way. And this is definitely a time when life has gotten in the way of well everything. This is a time when we all need to start putting the work, the creativity and the determination back in to be ready for life on the other side. She suggests when taking time to reload or refresh your business, you focus on amping up your marketing strategy, updating your portfolio and website copy to make it more relevant, freshening up your imagery with a photo shoot, taking the time to get in new testimonials or share your clients' stories and to create consistent templates for your business to save time and energy. So today we're going to focus on exploring some of these ideas and many more with our exceptional panel. First up, we have the wonderful and amazing Claire Davies from Scotter Projects. Claire has recently established Scotter Projects to bring to life her wealth of extensive experience in creative direction and project management and an established network of West Australian talent. A former STM, the Sunday Times fashion editor, Claire delivered engaging written and visual content to WA readers with a focus on local fashion, beauty, lifestyle and wellness industries for over 14 years. Under her direction and leadership, and with an impressive directory of writers, photographers, stylists and graphics, Claire curates and manages the perfect team for any project. And we have been fortunate enough to have Claire's expertise here at the Chamber for a brief period of time last year. And certainly, Claire, creating engaging creative content is really what you have specialised in for so many years. In this crazy world that we're living in now, what are some easy ways to produce more creative and creative and content? Hi, Demetria. Hi. Claire. <laughs> um, I think some of the advice that you you started um, today with is is bang on. Um, looking at your own uh, websites, your branding, your EDMs, your templates, um, just taking that time now to to get clarity to your customer mm -hmm. so you, I think we just all need to just stop and think about our customer and what we're trying you know what we're our brand and what we're trying to sell and really focus on those strengths and then 
work out how we're going to make that look and how do we get that message across to the customer. We've got so many people now just focusing online. It's mm. it's all going to be online for the foreseeable future. Um, so we need to make sure that what people are looking at is really clear and looks really polished. Yeah. Absolutely. So, yeah, I think um, working on our own websites and branding and you know, so whether that's updating templates and um our social media, yeah, we need to we need to do that. Yeah. And I'll come back and explore, I think, with you in a moment, some of those, um, what clear and consistent look really is about. And I think, as you say, taking that moment to stop right now and look at your the whole of your business mm. from your windows to, through to your website, through to your social media, and just think about almost that helicopter view of what story do I want to tell. Absolutely, because I think everyone will find there's a lot of dead wood that can be cut away, even look at my own websites like, right, we need to just, you know, I'm not doing that, I'm not doing that, I'm not doing that, let's just focus on on what my customer needs right now and mm. make that look really good and 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 full steam ahead on that, yeah. And get almost stare it back and get back, back to those Absolutely. really cool strengths. Yeah. And um, Leah, next Hi. on our panel, hello. Um Amazing ability to tell stories. Um, I came across there many, many moons ago, I think, um, and we've worked together on everything from projects through to, to waste through to how you change the visual landscape for weddings in WA, really, in many, many ways. Um, Leah is a graphic designer and co-founder, director of a creative consultancy, Studio Bomber, who has worked with brands including Fringe World, Vast Felix Wines, Activate Perth, and close to 200 startups and young businesses. She has also developed her own entrepreneurial initiatives, including a concept space, design store, cafe, stationery line, the world's most amazing boutique wedding fair and uh, community workshops and series. As chair of the WA branch of the Australian Graphic Design Association, she was honoured to be appointed a national judge and also now enjoys lecturing part-time in design at both North Metro TAFE and Curtin University. Leah, as someone who has seen and told so many brand stories over the years, how do you take some of the things that Claire said in terms of pairing back and being consistent and really telling your own brand story? I think as frightening and tricky as the virus times are, which I'm calling the virus times just for the humour of it, um, I think this gives us this opportunity to take a little bit of time out um, once I guess some of this fear is allayed, we can sort of take this moment to check in with ourselves, to check in with our businesses, to see whether what we're creating is actually what we want to create. I think sometimes we get so busy just doing the work that it's really hard to take a step back and to think, what am I creating? What am I making? What am I telling my clients um, through visuals, through writing, through um, the kinds of events and interactivities that they have? But I think... <clears throat> excuse me, there's just this moment to maybe look at, to really start identifying what you're in business for and to tap into some of those. And this is a thing that we often forget to do, to kind of just tap into the emotional side as well as the practical side of business. And I think that's where stories, our brand stories come from. And I know that that can be a little bit frightening sometimes to put an emotional side, but I think that's what we all respond to as we can, for example, at the moment with the virus, um, 
people in the media perhaps are really quite savvy at tapping into emotions I would prefer they don't tap into, such as fear or panic, in order to sort of capture our attentions. But I think we've got this opportunity to, to do the exact opposite, to look at reassuring our clients if you're in that industry or inspiring them or getting them excited to actually start tapping into the emotional side of things. And I guess how do you do that, Leah? How do you yes. tap into that emotion? And particularly from a visual perspective, if we are remote, we're sitting in our lounge rooms, how, how do we actually engage people in a way that keeps them compelled and interested? Yeah, I think that's the tricky part and I'm sure Claire will agree that. And also sometimes I think we're scared to do it. I remember reading an article once about a group of people, I think um, it may have been a group of particular men, businessmen, where they were had a brain scan and they showed them talking about, no, watching a scary movie and just measuring the responses to fear and then also asking them to speak about their emotions about their, their partner. Um, and they found that the levels of fear and anxiety in talking about their emotions were almost exactly the same. <laughs> so it was entirely nuts. So sometimes I think we're a little nervous to do that, um, to actually just sort of tap into that side of it. But I guess we have to remember that um, that's sort of our old... Uh, I may struggle for the words here, that sort of our ancient brain, that idea of flight or fight. We have this idea of that we can step into an environment and in the background our brains are assessing, judging, thinking, taking everything in before we're even conscious of that. And that's, I think, what we tap into. So it's, it's almost the things that are involved in the arts, imagery, colour, um, scent, uh, oral elements and trying to kind of work out how to make that consistent and how that can relate back to what it is that you're trying, the messaging that you're trying to give. Thank you. I'm definitely in that um, flight or fight mode at the moment and that's okay. Yeah. I think I think we all need to just um, go through it at our own pace, have, have that moment of panic and then just sit and take a deep breath, take stock, where are we at and, and then get into this the new world um, that's ahead of us and, and look look at it with what we can gain um, gain from it, you know, Absolutely. positively. Yeah. And I think both of you have described so aptly almost that that sense of taking a breath and that's how we actually create really great visual content and really great content. It's very hard is to be creative to in chaos. Yes. It, it is. It's incredibly and it's, it's such an incredibly challenging time so that's okay to, to feel a sense of panic and what do I do or confusion but just get right through that. Do what you whatever it is you need to do to get to find that calm, mm. get the house in order and then sit down and then in, in that calm that's when we create and that's that's what the future is. You know, we're going to need to be flexible. We're going to need to be um, more reactive with our customers and really get into that creative space, which is going to be so interesting. It is going yeah. to be so interesting to see what we take out um, from it. And I was just going to say, Leah, quickly, and I'd love your view on it as well, it's as you were describing, both of you were describing that point of pause, it reminded me almost of an opportunity to kind of, sit back almost like in a uh, as a bird and kind of fly through your business you know fly through what customers see fly through what they feel what business are you in what what is the core and the heart whether you're in an accounting firm whether you're in retail whether you're in hospitality 
what is it that people come to you for? And right now we're going to see the very bare essence of what people come to you for. And I think that's a great starting point to start to feel that emotional engagement is to say, it's almost like we've shut the door. Now we're going to open it and what are people actually going to see? When that door opens, what are they actually going to see? I, absolutely. And I think really we fret about that sometimes and don't know where to start, but I think it's just six simple things, which is looking at what it is that you do um, and some specifics. You know, for example, if you're a photographer, you might not say, I'm a photographer. You might say, I'm a wedding photographer that works with a particular demographic, that works with a particular group of people. I like to shoot people in a realistic way. I don't like to pose them. The real specifics of what you do. So looking at what you do, looking at where you do it from, which is increasingly tricky. So we really need to consider how this works online. Um, looking at how it is that you go about doing it, what it is that makes you special. Um, one, two, three, who, what, where, when, how, why, what. Mm. <laughs> I know that sounds strange, but it's that old journalist mm. um, sort of saying and it's uh, then looking at why you're doing it and why now. And I think for a lot of people that's going to change as well. Mm. So that might give us a little bit of a, a pause. But just those six simple questions um, which if I can articulate them a little better, I can provide to you yeah, afterwards, will, will really help people just sort so of self-check. Who, what? Who, who, what it is that people do, how they do it, um, whereabouts it is that they do it, who they're doing it for, who your people are, why it is that you do what you do, and why in this era you do what it is, whenever that is. And mm. at the moment that's probably the trickiest for us all is because that may change because of the way that the world is changing. We need to kind of keep up to date with how that, how that works. And it's a very simple stuff. It's what we do in brand strategy for people. We just sit down and we look that, at that in a more complex way. But being able to do that, just checking in with yourself is really, really simple. Like it's easy to go, hi, who am I, who are my people? Um, what do they need from me? Mm. And then also, who am I and what, how do I actually provide what I provide to people? And being kind of specific about that, looking at the practicalities of it, checking in and seeing what is still applicable, what is perhaps going to change. And then you give yourself a bit of a roadmap. Um, and instead of sort of having this panic and going, I've got so many things to think about, at least you've got a direction to go in. I think taking that time again, telling your story, those key questions, Leah, are so important. And Claire, when you get, I guess, a brief in some ways like that, the, the who, the what, this is, how do you go about creatively translating that into something that's very visual that people can actually touch and feel? I guess it all depends on, on the customer and how big their face is and who, who they're speaking to, their budgets and their biggest point of contact with their customers, whether it's online, whether it's mm. advertising, social media, whether it's EDMs or how do they speak to their, their customer in the most effective way and focusing on those mess the messages. So content creation is still happening and will continue to happen now. Mm. The teams that we'll be sending out look different mm. and, you know, we have to, we'll be adhering to really strict regulations mm. so but will we still sending photographers out to to photograph things um graphic design is is taking off got a really busy team at the moment quickly transitioning graphics for 
some of my clients. Um, my natural space is to go to things that are quite static and sometimes I leave the people out of it just because I feel like they always ruin the photo. Mm, I know mm. it's probably not the right attitude. Yeah. But, um, Leah, how do you get that connection right between, you know, the boldness and the beauty, um, having people, not having people? Where's the line between the, the heart, I guess, and that really sort of very visual static? And I'll come into a question about logo after that. I think, <laughs> I think that um, when we create visuals, I th- and, and in fact, when we create anything for clients, we often have a tendency to go, I have a thing that I need them to know about me, which is great, which is important. But sometimes we forget that. How are they going to learn that? And, and what, are, what are our clients' requirements? Um, so just sort of stepping outside of our own need for them to know a particular thing, then we need to go, who am I talking to? What do they want from me? Because we really don't get to control that that view of how people see our brands. Um, that is set up in the minds of other people. So really all we're trying to do is to create a consistency between what we're telling them and what they perceive us to be. And that's the trickiest thing of all. So mm-hmm. In terms of um, how we create that visually, consistency is really key. And in terms of creating imagery or brand or patterning or colour, then really very clear visual communication is key. So if we think of, and when I mentioned emotions before, I think sometimes we talk about emotions or we talk about things that people need to know. And then we go, well, how will they latch on to that and remember that um, in a non-clickbait kind of way, although that is very effective. There are all sorts of things that, and a lot of it is trickery and, and a bit frightening to see what people do in order to attract attention. But I think that when we settle it down and we look at the storytelling, it's just looking at what are our clients' requirements? What do they, what will reassure them or excite them or give them pause for, to kind of take it all in? So, I think it's thinking about their needs first um, and then translating what you do to suit that. So if you have a client, for example, that is, let me think visually, um, only has a short period of time to view your brand, maybe it's on a passing vehicle, then you perhaps look at things that are brightly coloured. If it is someone that has looking at what you do in a social media forum, then don't forget that we really love to see other people. It reassures us. And particularly at the moment where we're all isolated, it's lovely to see other people actually in a similar situation to you. We, we are, by nature, people, social creatures that love to be together. So um, actually thinking about ways for people to feel connected will only, will only ever help them connect to your brand. Absolutely. Claire, a lot of your clients rely on certain types of people and influencers telling the story. To take Leah's point, how do you create those tribes? How do you put people into your visual and into your stories that meet your brand needs, so to speak? Well, the clients generally come to me. They have... Mm. They have their um, their relationship, existing relationships. So it's just working out through colour, through their existing branding, um, those stories that mm. they want to be telling. So, mm. yeah, we've just had some influences coming through um, Claremont Quarter for an exhibition that we've just had. So it's just making sure that all the messaging is really consistent and the way that they 
photograph themselves in that situation, the stories that they're telling and the messaging is really consistent mm. and it reflects in the, the, um, the, the brand and reflects the, the client. And I guess that's also about taking that step back, isn't it? Because sometimes I think we see so much beauty and sophisticated images out there and mm. it's important that we all aspire to that. But at the end of the day, we also need to know who we are, don't we? And, and there's no point in mirroring someone else's, you know, fabulous pink planted home yeah, if absolutely. we are not going to deliver that in real life. It can so get very saturated yeah. very quickly. So yeah. I think... Yet limiting that is also really important <laughs> and having, having uh, uh, an editor's eye and going, okay, yeah, and, and, and keeping the messaging, although the messaging you want it to be consistent, you still don't want it to be verbatim, do you? No, that's yeah. right. And, yeah. and knowing, again, that sense of I've, I've loved seeing some of the different businesses in Fremantle adopting over time and, you know, someone like Stackwood taking, you know, this very beautiful green plant, we're bringing the plant love to you and the way they've translated mm. that message mm. to, you know, a business like Chalkies that have decided it's about what they offered in the heart of their business business was home-cooked meals. It was about coming to a place where you felt comfortable, you knew people. And so they've gone for a very much, you know, some beautiful visual around their favourite customers coming to pick up a lasagna for dinner or coming to pick up something so that you can find ways to tell that visual um, that reflects your brand story, as you say. Or if you're an accountant dealing at the front end of how you deal with the economic surplus that's out here at the moment, you don't need a, you know, bronze glittered influencer telling that story you actually need someone that is reassuring that is consistent in that kind of approach so yeah I think that's definitely we have a tendency to want to sort of polish up our brands in a way that sometimes removes them away from who we actually are Mm -hmm. and I think that that is a sort of a misstep if we tend to do that if we tend not to look at what who we actually are and what we create as a business Um, you can create some really great stories about some odd things. And um, I can't think of any examples off the top of my head, but um, sort of left of centre brand work or messaging can be equally as as appealing as something that is glossy and polished and and finished. And I think that... um, Okay, so one that I can think of example is that that, um, step underwear at the moment, using these kind of awkward men advertising underwear, no chafing. <laughs> this is a very odd example, I know. But um, in terms of the way that that visual message is getting across, it, it's saying this is for ordinary people. It's mm. a thing that happens. It's quite they've chosen very specific demographics to target and it's really kind of funny. Mm. So um, not the best example but that sort of idea that you can take things that are really unusual awkward this messaging and really craft visuals around it that don't always have to be pretty I mean we know memes work extraordinarily well mm. and they're not pretty no. so I think they're real though aren't they? and they speak very to an emotion that people are feeling and I think yeah. I remember some of the very first visuals um, that you created with First Comes Love mm-hmm. which you know obviously we'd been in a particularly in WA in a wedding industry for years and years that was very formulaic it was very limousine drives, frothy pink, you know, white frock and your bridesmaid standing to the side and the groomsmen have sunglasses on. And I think your ability to show the quirky and quickly flip that idea on its head Mm. and the quickness with which others got that message from, you know, the the ice cream van coming at your wedding (laughs) and the, you know, those beautiful blankets and the soft light and incredible florals. In a millisecond you actually used 
the imagery to create the followers and they came yeah. in their droves, didn't they? Yes, a wedding-based fair that we put together uh, back in the early, around about 2010, 2011, we had created that fair in order to meet a requirement of our own, which was that we had a stationary line that um, we had gone to other fairs and found that they were a bit more traditional, that we just weren't seeing our people, the kind of people that we were that we were working with, with that stationary line and that we wanted to work with. And so um, at first that was a bit of a daunting thing going, gosh, you know, are we a little bit tone deaf in this era? But instead it was different. We kind of went, well, if we're not responding to those people and those people who we're already working with are telling us that they're not finding um, florists or caterers or other kinds of um, people that work in the events industry that suited their aesthetic, then we went, well, it's it's a thing. It's got to exist. And and so we just ran down that road and went, that that's probably the best thing we can do. We'll give it a go. We can always turn around and come back. But so we really tapped into the things that we thought people were telling us that they couldn't find the sort of the sentences and the stories they're saying, I can't find someone who will do something that's a little less formal or that's a little more um, quirky or a little kind of left of centre, a little more designed or a little bit more minimalistic. And so we went, well, let's find imagery that shows that. Um, so we worked with particular clients, we helped them and we really curated the fair. And I think that's why that worked. And I think that that's something you can absolutely do within a business as well. Mm -hmm. Go, what is it that makes us pretty special? And really hit hard on that. Um, start looking at imagery, colours, messaging, stories, um, even talking direct to, to camera and posting it on Instagram. Like we, we're interested in other people's opinions. Mm. Um, and if it doesn't work for you, you can turn around and go back mm. and you can kind of go, okay, maybe people weren't ready for that message. Or maybe I just need to think about how different ways about how I say it. And predominantly it always comes down to the fact that if you start shouting about everything that you do without thinking about your clients' needs as well, that's where it can, I think that's where people tend to go a little bit it's kind of, yeah, they step off the path. And I think the reason I brought up that example is I, I can't think of another process that captured people with the small details of imagery so effectively. You literally garnered a tribe of people that were attached to the way the flowers were put together and the way you showed that right down to the embellishment on a brooch to the the way that someone was speaking and engaging with others, the music that was being played. And I think all of those things, back to your earlier point, it's a great example that we all need to bring into our own businesses is what do people actually see? And when we're creating vision, what are the bits, the details that they're actually looking at when they actually walk into that? And Claire, those details obviously crucial from a magazine perspective in creating that yeah I think creatives are, are generally very um suffer OCD yeah. <laughs> to, the, to the max <laughs> yeah it's all about the details you know down to when when I'm on a video you know producing a video and we have stylists you know moving jugs and food or earrings or hands you know to the to millimeter detail but that's what that's what matters that's what what counts mm. at the end of the day 
Sorry, back and, to the question. <laughs> and I was going to say, I think our brains, as Leah said earlier, we forget that what we see is so subliminal in many ways yeah. and those tiny details are what will actually, when you're flicking through an Instagram scroll, you go, oh, hang on a second, I like that ring on that finger yeah. or hang on a second, wow, that food looks like me. That's the stuff that our brains will pick up when we're talking purely visual and we're not talking about all of those other things. Yeah. And I do think that's a really fascinating part of um, the story that we're telling even today. Leah, um, I'll come back, Claire, in a second, but it just prompted me the age-old question because another thing people go is, I just don't like my logo. I need a new logo now. Let's spend all of our time, as Claire said earlier, yeah. we're going to the graphic designer, we're marching off because we need to recreate our brand. And in their minds, the brand is the logo. But the stories yeah. we're telling now, we could almost have created First Comes Love without a logo Oh, absolutely. And we changed it every year yeah. as well. So I think that people often get a little bit mistaken when they go, I'm just going to go and get a rebrand and that's going to fix what I'm going to do. We might be a bit past that thinking, but mm. I think that as a graphic designer, I don't know about you, Claire, in your, in your practice, that a lot of people still go, hi, this is what's going to work for us. And I think unless our clients really check back and check what they're doing, they sort of get a little bit mistaken, like a logo isn't a brand, it's just a visual representation of the business. And Graphic designers and um, content creators can't brand you either. This is, this is the difficult truth is that your brand sits in the heads of everyone um, that comes into contact with you. It's their thoughts. It's what they tell their friends about you. It's what they tell their family about you. It's what they hop online and um, tell TripAdvisor about you or, or reviews that they write. Um, and we can't control that. And so, And that can be a little bit daunting and frightening. But... Don't let it frighten you because I think on the flip side of that, it means that you have this opportunity to show them exactly who you are. We've got so many opportunities now to do that. I mean, in the past it was like, here's my business card with my logo. But now we have Instagram and all sorts of social media events and Facebook and websites and whatever version of online and digital forums or signage or vehicles or people handing out I don't know, balloons in the street or pavement graphics that can really sort of help show people what we do or just events, you know, things that are short-term or long-term. And I think that we really need to think about all of those together. I have a that wants to change her logo pretty much every week and it takes a lot of work to sort of talk her through that and I think it's it's not the logo that she wants to change, it's more just expanding her branding yeah. and keeping that branding strong and consistent in her messages like we, we don't need to change your logo it, even though you know when it's your own business you do get a bit sick of it don't you because mm. you're looking at it every day so I do understand Absolutely. But, but trying to yeah I think, I think it's a tricky one I think um sometimes people think there might be a little bit of a magic element that if I do that that will be okay but really it's it's the whole picture it's saying that there are logos that do oh, need to be oh yes so exactly it is a good opportunity to even at least have a discussion with your graphic yeah. designer or, or a creative or someone that that does know what they're talking about and just say what do you think mm. is it okay as it is yeah what could we be doing different well, when we design yeah. for people, we very rarely, or we don't actually just show our logo. It's a, it's typography, it's colour, it's supporting imagery, it's 
we show different ways and, and even when we do create a logo, we create different versions of it because what you see in a tiny little circle on Instagram yeah. is very different to yeah. what you might see on a billboard mm. near a street. So yeah. um, it has to be flexible. And that's that bit of almost taking it back again, isn't it? And just putting it all out there and, and even yeah. on a table and going, look, there's my logo. There's what I posted on Instagram for the last six weeks. That's what I'm posting on Facebook. And look, here's what someone sees when they walk into my office and here's a poster that I created put it all out on the table and say what where's the consistency in my story and in all of those touch points even though they're different forms am I telling something consistent Claire I was going to come back to a question um, I meant to ask you earlier with your editor's eye obviously you critically look at things every day terribly (laughs) and sometimes it's really interesting to talk about what doesn't work as opposed to what does work because we've had some great conversation already around what does work yeah. and we know consistency works, we know, you know, beautiful colours, beautiful images that fit and tell your authentic story. That's what works. Yeah. What doesn't work? Can you think of some examples that you've seen come across your desk over the years where you've there's just been that jar between the brand that someone's trying to tell and what the images are that come forward. Look, I think it comes down to when there's just too much. It's like, isn't it, the, the saying of Coco Chanel, you know, put put everything on and then take one thing off. Yeah. I think um, some people just want to get so much information out there at once and so there can be, you know, logos and, and offers and pictures and, and different fonts and I think, whether it is just an EDM or a poster, you just simple works best. So how can we, whether it's through words or through what we're seeing, just trim it back to get that clear message across? Um, I, I do a lot of work in just cutting words out of people's copy. Mm-hmm. That, that is a lot of what I do in trying to get a clear message out of what might be 500 words, bringing it down to maybe 80 to 100 words that, that speaks to their, their client. Mm. Um, and the same goes with um, my graphic designers. They'll, the client might want a lot of information on a poster, but they just, it's, they're not, not, the, the customer is not going to read it. Such a good point. Such I a think good point. we forget that that we can't. We are so bombarded with visuals and imagery and words and sound daily that as a as a business if you're putting something out there you're just assuming that everyone sees it but they might not see it until the sixth seventh eighth ninth time Mm. so slightly changing the visuals perhaps but keeping the message very consistent and just repeating it Mm. um, can often be really valid and often it does take you know a roundabout I think there are some studies that say often it's around about the seventh time before you actually take in a new brand mm. that you actually start to resonate. You need to see it a lot. Mm. And at those different touch points, but at the same, me- same messages along the way. I think, Claire, your point is also so good about pairing things back. And I think over the years someone even asked me a question about my writing and, and <laughs> someone that's had to read it a number of times, you know, my tendency is to be very verbose and I do brain dump and write everything down. But then you actually have to be ruthless and go back through when you've got the time and the clarity, which we have now, and cut out. And I yeah. think a great um, colleague of mine once said, Tanisha, 21 words in every sentence, no more. You can't keep putting ands until the end of time. And I think, you know, those sorts of things apply equally to the visual is get to the essence 
and logo. your logo. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, that's just and sometimes much. that 500 words can then be broken up into five different messages. So yes. We don't have to be creating all that copy for one thing. That All that copy can be used for a month perhaps. Yeah, so let's that's break right. it up and... And, and make that, it work for us. That's another great time that we've got now, isn't it? That we can maybe write, spend 20 minutes, write down your story, write down what someone sees, what they touch, what you do, what you're trying to say, cut it all back to the essence and then almost develop your content over a 12-month mm. period to say, I'm going to say the same message but I'm actually going to say this bit of it now this bit of it now, this bit of it now, because that also can be the inspiration for your vision and your content. I think now's the time for really good planning Mm. if if you do have um, are lucky enough to have a bit of stillness in your business. Mm. Take that time just to to think about setting up a really good plan and even with your social media um, making the most of um, the scheduling apps that you can do. So you can actually really map it out, plan it out, seeing it out. You can get all your copy ready to go. And then you can really just sit back and let it roll out Mm. in a really sensible and practical way as opposed to just that mad rush that we've all been in through 2019 and and early this year. Mm. It's just boom, 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 boom. You know, we haven't even really had a lot of time to think. So we really, if there's one thing coming out of... Uh, the, virus time. Time. the virus time. <laughs> the virus time. The virus time. It's just having a bit of space. Clarity, Absolutely. Space yeah. And I think when you've got that schedule out in front of you as well, when things do change, you actually are on the lookout for new ideas because you kind of know what you're talking about at that moment in time, mm-hmm. that you can keep things relevant because you can pop and link and connect, which is a big part of the storytelling as well Is who else is telling my story? Mm-hmm. What are my customers saying? Look, they've left a great review. That fits directly in with this topic here right now that I'm yeah. planning to talk about. So by having the plan and the structure, it almost makes us more flexible because we're kind of on yeah. the lookout for things that fit into that. Absolutely. Leah, you made an interesting point about once you go down a path, you can always sort of come back. Absolutely. And I think when we're looking at measurement as well, this is another great opportunity to look back over the last 12 months and even look at your social media, look at your likes, track what did work, what didn't work, what visuals did engage, what visuals didn't. Was it an amazing picture of a cute, quirky car that everybody suddenly loved because it fed into it? Was it a conversation about great natural wine because everyone else was talking about natural wine? And, and so you can start to see perhaps where your customers truly grabbed hold of something. Do you have Absolutely. any other recommendations for that whole measurement and tracking and working out how yeah. far down the path you go before you come <laughs> back out again? I think, I think that um, while likes and um, things ways of measurements um, and and insights like I think that it makes a lot of sense to ensure that you get your insights if you have a website so that you can check where people are jumping on to things like I think digitally we've got this great benefit of being able to measure where people hop onto a website for example if they've put in a a search uh, term into Google and they found a website and it bounces them straight back to Google or they bounce straight back to Google because they've gone, oh, that's not what I want, then that sort of um, analytics and websites, can act, uh, analy- analytics, sorry, on your website, your Google Analytics can help you s- sort of see if you've got the wording right on the front page or perhaps 
if you're getting bounce backs, just something as simple as changing an image on a homepage um, and then just checking a fortnight later and seeing if that's working for you or not can be so valuable. And the same with social media, just being able to check um, who's responding to things. Remembering that sometimes if you're a bit ahead of the curve and you're creating something that they're not familiar with, don't fret too much just yet. Um, maybe after the seventh time you've shown something and they're still not getting it, then you might want to rethink it going, okay, maybe people aren't responding in the way that I thought about it. But the benefit of being able to check things online in terms of likes or analytics or insights is, is really valuable. Yeah. But it, there's also a little kind of dark side to that in that it can be a little bit addictive. Yeah. So just limit the amount of time. Maybe just check in once a fortnight rather than every day. Absolutely. So it is valuable. And as you say, the great thing about our world now and, and this new digital world that we're in is it does give us a chance to test some of those things and actually be able to track it. You may never know unless you survey people their experience or feel when they walk into your office or walk into your store or walk into your venue, but you you can test that in some ways visually um, on websites and on some of that digital analytics as well. Mind you, I still do think that the best thing is just to ask ask yeah. clients. Yeah, say. It's Hi. a great opportunity just to reach out to your yeah. clients old and new and just say what is it that you need now, what what is it that you you really you want me to, what yeah. can I help absolutely, you with? Absolutely, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. And I read a great quote the other day that said, you know, use this time to touch base with your clients and just ask them and share their stories. You know, what did you love? What are you missing most about me not opening my venue this week? What are you missing yes. most about not being able to physically come into my space? Mm. What are some of the things, those emotional triggers that Leah talked about that I can grab hold of and try and share visually through my story? And I think you're right, Claire, absolutely. It's a great time to ask those questions for your clients now. And know who they are. Know who your tribe is that's still following you. So when you do open up again and you really are open for business, that those people are still with you and how you take them on that journey. Yeah. I think also um, tricky times like this demonstrate to you how loyal some of your clientele can be and that's really lovely and reassuring. And so I know a lot of businesses are closing but they've also got clients who, you know, while they're closing for this period of time, their clients are going, I'm here, I'm going to be here, and they're reassuring mm. those businesses that they're still going to be there when they get back. Mm. So maybe it is those clients um, taking that opportunity to say, well, what is it that you love so much about what we do? And that can, and then maybe build some of your messaging around that. Um, have photographs of that. Mm. Sometimes it's surprising what people love about a business. We had to business um, just check into what they loved and, and they didn't realise but what they really, what clients really loved was that they, the owner bought their rabbits to work and they could pat them. And weirdly <laughs> that was a huge part yeah. of their business. Like it was so attractive to yeah. people. This is the Rabbit Cafe because it had a garden space. Yeah. <laughs> it was we're in the garden. But um, it, it, was, yeah. it was surprising to know how much people just loved that and you can see why. And I think it's so true. I saw a great example um, only yesterday of um, Strange Company locally did a great, we're now sort of more like a home provider store and you can come and get your beautiful wine. 
And what people love there is their fresh sardines and their beautiful Australian, West Australian produce. And that's now what they're selling. So you can almost take mm. a bit of their business home with you. But no, that's what it is. And I think young George on George Street have done something similar. People love the way Melissa works with vegetables and fresh ingredients. And they're now selling some of those fresh vegetables and some of those fresh ingredients um, as takeaway. And it, it still meets directly their brand values in a very different way. It's not just we're open for takeaway. It's, you know, come and take a snapshot of what you would normally experience here within our environment in a very beautiful and visual way. And who knew so many pictures of sardines could gather so much interest. But, you know, there is a whole tribe that love them and that's what they're capturing. And and those pictures are small details. I can, as well as large, large images, um, yeah, absolutely Actually, it's a really good point that you make just then, Leah, about being able to almost come in and out Mm. in those details in your imagery is so important because often with certain um, styles of business, we see images that are very um, almost remote and it's how do you actually create that zoom out on the detail and that experience. And I guess that's why flat lays were invented (laughs) all those times ago. Um, Claire, on flat lays and certain trends that we see moving in and out of, of our visual world, um, what's your prediction, if you can make one oh at the gosh. moment, of where the visual world is going in terms of colour, in terms of style? Wow. Oh, it's a big one, I know. Yeah. Um, I think we're actually probably less um, manipulation of images. I think mm. we've been through an era where a lot of images have had filters applied to them. And I, I wonder if things are getting a little simpler, a little sparser, um, And I think sometimes that maybe it comes through this online to digital formats using using our phones. um, Websites now have really changed so that they're very much phone-based because that's where we tend to look at our websites first as opposed to on our desktop or on a web store. So I think certainly in graphics, um, colour that works well on phones, brand marks that are a little sparser, a little more clean um, compared to sort of that hipster logo trend which is really quite ornate that Mm. we saw perhaps in the mid you know around about early you know I don't know 2010 12 14 um, things tend to be beautiful clean Swiss type at the moment solid color really simple patterning and some even the way that the websites look buttons tend to be flatter um it's quite interesting. Mm. Everything's kind of a little more pared down. Yeah, I don't. Can simplify. I think I'm yeah. seeing this in imagery. I don't yeah. know if it's the same. I'm for not you, seeing a, a specific mm. trend. I mean, there what there's that there is that big um, that washed out pastel. I think mm. I'm sort of getting a little bit past that. I'm not sure about you. Yeah, yeah. and gradients too, which yeah. I love, but I'm almost like. See less now, yeah. <laughs> but I still love them. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> but I, I think things come and go, and I they think it, it really is. Um, we're past that era of perhaps having um, a brand identity that just stays the same for a very long period of time. We we mix it up, and we mix it up quite regularly. And I think that people are familiar with that. And as tricky as that can be, on the flip side, I think if things aren't perfect. At the moment, that's okay too. People are much more familiar mm. with um, sitting at home, for example, in casual wear and, and Skyping or FaceTiming and particularly at the moment, um, online delivery of things, including getting together as groups of people, um, 
they do feel more informal. I mean, even television ads and celebrities at home. At a time where we would see a Prime Minister in her tracksuit chatting to the nation, you know, extraordinary times we're living in. And how, again, the public responded to that. You know, I think that Jacinta Ardern's video was quite extraordinary in here is a leader of a nation in her home in a very real way people engaged with it and and mm. maybe that's part of the attraction of stories even though I think for me maybe it's my control freakness I still struggle a little bit with the realness of the stories that people show and they go from having these beautiful brands to suddenly you know seeing the behind the scenes but is that part of what we are going to be seeing in the future particularly stories yeah Yeah. I think so and I think it's great to sort of separate the the branding and the the overall look in, in your in your post to 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 what's actually going on behind the scenes things that I, that's what I love to see. Mm. Um, and is that what stories is? Is stories really, I guess, a, a visual glimpse behind the scenes of the beauty and the controlledness with which we put our other imagery out there? Mostly. Mostly, yes. This is not to say that what we do isn't crafted, but I think what it comes from is... Um, I'm sure, Claire, and and we just see a lot of things all of the time. So for us, I guess we have a lot of references to draw on when we work with people. So, um, but really, we're sort of the same as anyone else. And in going, well, what is it that I do? What's my story? How do I tell it? How do I get people to hear it? And then how do I get them to act upon that and do whatever it is that I want them to do? Attend an event, buy my product, engage with me for services. Um, we just make it a little more polished, I think. But at the moment, even that is um, is changing. Mm. It'll be very interesting to see what happens once we once we all step out of our homes again. Absolutely, absolutely. Cameron um, Campbell, who was going to join us but was unable to um, today, put some really great points down um, as he was thinking through this whole, and, you know, as a photographer, incredibly visual world. But what I loved, Cam gave us a few dot points that I'll just read out to you now because I think they're so relevant to this conversation because not one of the dot points actually related to his photography or his imagery, which I thought was (laughs) really interesting. He said, take the moment to change your shop windows seasonally and regularly rotate stock if you're in a store or regularly rotate what you have on display in your front office. Um, It's a great time to focus on what people see when they walk past your space or walk past your window Um, and it's particularly at appropriate social distances because people are almost looking at everything from a distance. So even if they're walking into a reception or into your space, they're not coming all the way in. So they're kind of taking that landscape view. He said, "Um, always put your first customers in your window seat so your venues don't look empty. Um, Smile and treat every customer as if they were a really good friend. Um, Put the phone down when people come into your office or into your store, into your space and greet them as if they were coming into your own home and ensure there's always space for them to feel welcome in your environment. And I think, Leah, that harks back to your very, very first point around it's not just what you're feeling and what you want to tell. People will make their own minds up and you need to give them the space to make their own minds up in those Absolutely. situations. So I thought that was some really great advice. Great 
yes. Yeah, absolutely. And again, the visual isn't just our social media. The visual is everything that people touch, see and feel in our businesses. As you said, Leah, from the car that drives past to what your signage looks like out the front to how your event feels to how welcome people feel in your space. And I think a lot of people at the moment are struggling with social media, so mm-hmm. they're stepping away from it too. So I think that we will see perhaps some some more environmental design solutions mm. and things that exactly what you've said, like um, just seeing people putting little signs in their windows at the moment as you walk your dog, um, trying to connect with each other. I think letting, that that's... Letting people know letting where people they know, are, how to, how to yeah. reach out. Yeah. And that's so heartwarming and mm. I think that that will translate into business too. Um, I think that that, as I said, that polish will probably disappear a little bit and actually being, you know, embracing our emotions a little more and telling those stories will make more sense. Absolutely. Absolutely. I guess in conclusion then, things are definitely looking a little different, um, maybe a little scary and a little uncertain, but this is a great time to focus on what we can all do to adapt and change so we're ready for the new norm, whatever that may be. And I think within this conversation, just so many great tips about how we engage visually and at the end of the day what's that great saying we uh, taste with our we taste see with our taste with our eyes and taste with our tongue something along those lines but you know what I mean <laughs> our eyes tell our stories and what we show visually to the world in every way that we interact is actually our brand and and getting back to that is so so important is there anything else you ladies would like to comment in conclusion no I just think um can you it's really good not just to feel feel like you're on your own. I think it's mm. to reiterate, talk to people that know your business, talk to creatives that can help support you even if you don't have the budget. People are there to help. Mm. Just, just have a conversation and just to get the ideas flowing so when you are ready to to um, to get your stories out there and to, to commit to maybe a shoot or some new fresh graphics, you sort of have a clear picture of where you're heading. Mm. Yeah, so That's just great. take take the time and step back. Um, yeah. if, if there's anything, yeah. Fantastic. I would second that. And I just wish everyone sort of well through this period. I know it can be really frightening for business. Um, so my thoughts are, are with everyone. And also just that idea that I think that telling your story now is probably what will keep people connected to you at a time where you're really worried that they won't. Mm. So I think that trust in that. I think that that ability to just reach out and and even as tricky as it is, tell them what your issues are because rest assured everyone will be going through something similar. So I think by sharing some of that, it won't do your business harm. So um, perhaps in your stories, your visuals, those images of the trickiness helps remind people that, that we're all in this together. Absolutely. Thank you so much, ladies, for uh, coming in and giving up your time to have a chat with us today. Thanks, And a big shout-out to Chris as well. Thank you for wonderful sound as always.